God to begin serving. Let's stand together. Have you come to bless the Lord? Have you come to lift him up? Turn around and smile at somebody and say, I've come to lift up the Lord today. Now, Lord, we bless you. Lord, we bless you. We praise you, Lord.
church he is worthy we lift you up hallelujah hallelujah we praise you lord jesus oh lord we lift you in this place lord we magnify you we know your promises are forever for amen lord we lift you hallelujah lord we give you glory hallelujah i give you glory for all you brought me through now I'm ready for whatever you want to do. And I'm moving forward to follow after you. And now I'm ready for whatever you want to do. Your presence is an open door. Lord, like never before, your presence is an open door, so come now, Lord, like never before, in every season, and your grace has been The best is yet to come. The cross before me, my hope on things above. And in you, Jesus, oh, the best is yet to come. Oh, your presence is an open door. We want you, Lord. after you. Hallelujah. I know breakthrough is coming. Let's sing it to him. I know the breakthrough is coming. And by faith I see a miracle. And my God, he made me a promise and it won't stop now. And I know the breakthrough is coming. And by faith I see a miracle. And my God made me a promise and it won't stop now. It won't stop now. I know the breakthrough is coming. And by faith I see a miracle. And my God made me a promise and it won't stop now. It won't stop now. And I know the breakthrough is coming. And by faith I see a miracle. A promise and it won't 
coming. Lord, we lift you. We magnify you, Lord. We're dependent upon you, oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Your presence is an open door. We want you, Lord, like me. So come now, Lord, like never before. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's bless the Lord, church. He is worthy. Do you believe in the breakthrough? It's got to come from Him. Lord, we lift you. Hallelujah. I know the breakthrough is coming. See a miracle, and my God made me a promise, and it won't stop now. And I know the breakthrough is coming. By faith, I see a miracle, and my God made me a promise, and it won't stop now. It won't stop now. I know the breakthrough is coming. you, Lord. We praise you, O oh Lord Jesus. There is none like you, O oh God. Hallelujah. God, we lift you. We magnify you. We bless your name, Lord Jesus. We turn our eyes and hearts and minds to you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I search the world, but it could be Treasures that fade are never enough. Then you came along. You put me back together. And every desire is now satisfied here in your love. God of the mountains is the 
this morning is called throne room and I want you to just picture in your mind as we do this coming into the presence of a holy God walking into his throne room and seeing what what's going on inside it's such a powerful song so I hope you enjoy it
still, closer still, for Jesus, your God, in me to your will, to your will. For if all of the heavens are singing along with the saints and the elders in glorious song and the praises they sing never seem to get old, then I'll stay here forever singing. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God Almighty, over all. Lord, you were, you are, and you'll be forever the King enthroning glorious splendor. I see glory as I run inside the throne room before you, Lord, I bow, yes, I bow. The veil is torn, the door swing wide, I see glory as I run inside the throne room before you. Oh, I bow, for the veil is torn, the door swing wide, I see His glory as I run inside the throne room before you. Oh, I bow, holy, holy, holy. And you'll be forever the king and the wrong and glory. One more time. Well, you were, you are, and you'll be forever the king and the wrong and glory splendor. Holy, holy Lord. The veil is torn. The door sling wide, I see his glory as 
I run inside the throne room before you. Oh, I bow, Lord, I bow. The veil is torn, the door swing wide. I see glory as I run inside the throne room before you. Oh, I bow. The veil is torn, oh, the veil is torn. The doors flee wide. I see your glory as I run inside the throne room before you. Oh, I bow. Holy, holy, holy Lord. Your God Almighty. You'll be forever the King in throne in glory and splendor. Holy, holy Lord. Holy, holy Lord. God Almighty. Forever the King and throne in glory. One more time, Lord, you are, you are, and you'll be forever the King and throne in glory, splendor, holy, holy Jesus, a big old hand clap of praise today in His presence. Hallelujah. What a word, what a word of God that we serve today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Mm. Amen. Don't you love Him today? What a day it's going to be. We're going to enter into that courtroom and that throne room and we're going to see the presence of an almighty God. What a day it's going to be. Can you imagine 24 elders? are constantly falling on their face before God, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was, which is, and which is to come. It is going to be the most powerful experience that we have ever experienced in our lives. If the Lord would help me this morning, I want to get right into the Word today and speak on the topic entitled, When the Spirit 
travails. Let me flip that on. When the spirit travails. Now, <clears throat> I am not an expert at this. The word travail actually is correlated with the words giving birth. <laughs> now, I'm not an expert at that. I don't have to question my identity. I know who I am. I'm a man. I don't have babies. All right. But you women out there that have bore children, when I talk about the correlation of this word and you compare it to what it was like being in that delivery room. Now, us guys today, we're just going to have to try to hang in there and, and, and we can only imagine because for many of us, we were standing beside them and they were squeezing our hand and it hurt really, really bad. We didn't know they were so strong. And, and we tried to tell them the words push, which is the stupidest thing. I'm sure our nurses can tell us that, that you could ever tell your wife. Just say, honey, I love you. That's all you got to say, all right? Nothing else. But she's squeezing. And you see the pain that they're enduring. That's all we, as guys, that's all we can do today. But for you ladies, you can go a, a step further into what it really means to travail. And so today I want to show us something from the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 26 is where we're going to start verse by verse. The Bible said likewise the Spirit. I'm going to stop it right there. Many people seem to think of the Holy Spirit as just an active force of God that comes in our midst and just moves. But I want you to understand when you look at the Holy Spirit as just a mere active force that moves in our churches, we bring Him down to an it status. But the Holy Spirit is not an it. He is so much more than that. He is the third person of the Godhead. That's why the, the Lord in our scriptures will see here himself that God refers to the Holy Spirit as being a he, as being a person. It is amazing to me that the first thing that God wanted us to know about the Spirit in this book called the Bible was in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2. For he said, and I'm just going to quote it for you, and the Spirit of the Lord moved. <laughs> That's it. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. In the middle of the first thing God wants us to realize is that His Spirit still moves. I, I want you to know that. His Spirit still comes in the middle of rooms and blesses and changes. See, the Spirit when He comes... We have had enough superficial to where we think we've had a move of God and nothing really happens in our hearts. But see, when the true spirit comes in my midst, I may jump, I may shout, I may cry, I may lay prostrate on the floor. But when I get up from the position of worship, there will be a change inside of me. Come on, somebody. That has happened. That is why I used to in the old days, we, we, I had this young boy, bless his heart, he, he could preach with the best of them. He was a great preacher. And he'd go stand on the front pew of the church and he'd rear back and, and he'd preach and everybody would shout him down. I mean, he, he could just do it. You know, I mean, he knew how to work the crowd. He's all about 17, 18 years old, teenage guy. Everybody was so excited that he was going in the ministry, but he had a superficial relationship because there was not a change in him. And before too long, guess where he ended up? 
he ended up in the world and he ended up outside the church doors. And so we have to understand that when the true, genuine spirit comes in our midst, there is going to be a change that is going to take place in the atmosphere, in the church, in the building, in your house. There is a change that happens in the earth. Could I suggest to you today that that is exactly what happened on the day of Pentecost. They are all in the upper room. They begin to speak with other tongues. You talk about a move of the Holy Ghost. They had a genuine move of the power of God. They are shouting. They begin speaking in tongues. The city, they are shouting in a room. It's like us praising God so loudly in this building that the neighbor calls the cop and says, I don't know what's going on, but there's a disturbance over yonder at that church. You know, it's that type worship. And all of a sudden, on the day of Pentecost, the people in the streets begin to hear what is going on on the inside. And they recognize there's a move going on. And so the Bible tells us, we preached about this just the other week, in or Wednesday rather, in, in chapter 2, it goes on to tell us they begin to speak with other tongues. People begin to hear those languages that were in different languages than they were capable of speaking. It was only through the Spirit that they were able to do so, but that day 3,000 people were saved. Now in our churches we've had emotionalism but we have missed out on that second part and that is getting souls saved. If the Spirit is going to move then I want the Spirit to move in such a way that sinners are drawn to the house of God. When it happened at Pentecost, it got out in the street. There is something going on. Wouldn't it be great if God would do something in our midst that would spread to our community and to those around us. It says there is something going on there. The Spirit is moving and that will draw people to God's presence. So here we have these people, 3,000 get saved. 3,000 get baptized on the same day. But when the Spirit moved, the Spirit was bringing change in the earth. Every nation is touched. At Azusa Street, could I suggest to you that William J. Seymour, the, what they called the one-eyed illiterate black Negro, who's in between the cartons praying, those, those old wood crates or whatever you call them, he'd get in between them. He'd go in there and he'd pray and that black man begged God for revival. He begged God, let us have a Pentecost. He had never spoken in tongues. He had never had the Spirit of God inside of him in that way. He prayed uh, there at those crates and until one day God came down, baptized him in the Holy Ghost and fire, a revival that took place and seemed like it wasn't going to end, all because this black guy decided that he was hungry for a move of God. But when it happened, do you know what everybody did from all over the world? Are, are you with me? All over the world, they began to come to Azusa Street. Everybody wanted to be a part of what God was... What I'm telling you is if we can just have a genuine move of the Spirit again, people will come to see what God is doing. It is so important that we recognize that when the Spirit comes, 
He brings change in the earth. The church can be, the Spirit is able to move over our church again. He is able to move over our land again. It would be great if one Sunday churches could just bind together and the Spirit of God move all over the world. God would move in California, one of the most liberal states out there. He would move in New York City. He would move in Washington, D.C. The liberals would go crazy. They wouldn't know what to do because when the Spirit comes, the Spirit brings change. The Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. Woo! Somebody say amen today. So the, the scene of the Holy Spirit moving brings to life this character and personality of God. One of the greatest dilemmas that God has always had is communication with man. How in the world can this God convey to us the magnitude of his feelings towards us. I have often said it and I'm trying to grab a hold to it. And I'm trying to understand it because I can't. Because God is a God of passion. God is a God of love. God is a God of relationship. God is a God of intimacy. God is a God that he likes being with us. He doesn't want us just going to church on Sunday and Wednesday. And that's the only relationship we have with Him. What God wants is somebody that will walk with Him every single day. He needs somebody that will talk to Him every morning. Come on, somebody. So this is what God has been wanting. And it's so hard for God to convey the magnitude of His love to us exactly how He feels. If we could only imagine today how much Jesus loves us. I mean, if we could just, if we could really grasp how much God and Jesus and the Spirit love us, we would all fall on our faces right now and we would fall and we would cry in tears because it would overwhelm us so much. God would just roll back the curtain of heaven and just let us feel what He feels for us. Just for a moment, we would absolutely be changed forever and ever. So, so God tries His best to illustrate His love for His people through the prophets. They come, tell them how much God loves them. He tries to do it through the Bible. But one thing that Satan has understood about God is how much He loves man. So he uses mankind to vex God. In other words, he uses mankind to frustrate God. Do you remember somebody by the name of Adam and Eve? Y'all remember that story? Satan's been thrown out of heaven. He doesn't have power over God. God has already showed him who's boss. He's already cast him down. He's already told him you're going to crawl around like a serpent. He's crawling around eating the dust just like God told him he was going to do in the Garden of Eden. So he knows there's nothing within his power that he can do to overtake God. He knows he's king of kings and lord of lords. If anybody knows the end of the book, there's nobody that knows it better than the devil because he knows exactly where he's headed. He knows and he understands that it is not within his power to change that. He doesn't have the power to make any changes. God has already called it nay and yea and, and he can't mess with it. And so what does he do? He goes to Eve in the garden. Has God said? He starts questioning her. She eats of the fruit. It is at that moment. How did Satan vex God? How did he tear up a relationship? It was through us. 
Today in this church, how in the world do you think that Satan does it? He uses God's people to get to God's heart. Every backslider that has ever left our pews and walked out of that back door, it broke the heart of God. For every time that we sin and fail God and we walk away and we trample on His blood, it hurts the heart of God. And so Satan understands the only way that I can get to them is to get to them through mankind. So Satan doesn't need you. He only wants to break the heart of God through you. With Adam and Eve, God had this relationship. It's so awesome. But it is broken because of sin. And it literally breaks his heart. Don't let the devil use you to break the heart of God. Let's go. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. Because of the love of God. Watch this. Jesus says in the book of John. I want to show you in John 14, 16 through 18. Here really quick. Or in 18. And I will pray, Jesus said the Father. And he will give you another helper. Does somebody see the pronoun used here? That he. Not an it. That he. He's more than an act of force. He is a person. Watch this. That he may abide with you. How long? Forever. That's some good. That means as long as I'm on earth. This Holy Spirit, He is going to live with me. And when I get to heaven, the Spirit's going to be around the throne room there too. I will not leave you orphans, but I will come to you. Understand. He says, I will send you what is known as a paracletos. Which means I'm going to send you a helper. Another word that many of you may know or be familiar with if you've read your Bible much. It is the word paraclete. The word paraclete simply means an assistant. Does anybody know what an assistant does? An assistant. Some of y'all need to fill out for that job. You've got it down pat already. An assistant assists. So if we use the word help. Help me, help me, help me. That is what the Holy Spirit does for us. It does not matter what the situation, I don't care if it's temptation and you are about to do something you know you shouldn't do. Help! The Spirit, Paracletos, the Comforter, comes to where you are and He said, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm going to help you through this. I'm going to give you power and strength in your weakness. You don't have to fail. You can still keep God's heart happy. I don't care if it's depression that you're fighting with. Just scream, help! Help! And all of a sudden, Paracleta, the assistant comes to where you are. It doesn't matter if it's spiritual barrenness, finances, marriage, children, you name it. The only thing you've got to do is say help. And at that moment, he helps you in your weaknesses. Well, thank God for the Spirit today. Thank God for the Spirit today. Let's go. All right, verse 26. Let's go back. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. He said, for we do not know how we should pray for as we ought. Another version said, for we do not know how we ought to pray. But the Spirit Himself, oh Lord, makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, I want you to grab this first. Let's go back to the part that He says, but the Spirit himself he makes intercession for us see see you know you can't hardly get anybody you can't hardly get anybody to take on the role of a helper and an assistant 
When it comes to truly praying around the altar and praying for others and blessing others, I'm telling you, listen, I, you know, I remember the day. I, I'm talking about being an intercessor, all right? I remember the day when people would come to the altar. If you remember this day, I'm going to need you to shout amen when I, when I take it to you. Ready? I remember the day that when people came to the altar to pray that they literally could not move because there were so many people around them. a matter of fact, let me say it this way. If they wanted to get up, they couldn't have. Anybody? I remember the days when we would be praying, Oh, Father, fill me with your spirit. And I remember people would try to get up. I've been one of them before that I tried to get up and they just pushed me right back down. Come on, somebody. I mean, I'm, I'm done, you know. I've had a good night of prayer. We've been praying for an hour and a half now. It's time for me to go. And they just push you right back down. Don't, don't quit now, son. Keep on going. You're like, I'm tired. I'm weary. I can't even hold my hands up. But that's what an intercessor does. Why is it that we have such a hard time praying for people that need somebody to intercede for them? The Spirit intercedes for us. But wouldn't it be great if sometime we would intercede for somebody too? I mean, wouldn't it be great? You know, and somebody said, well, well, there was somebody at the altar the other week, and, you know, I don't know them. That's why I don't pray for them. Well, guess what? You're in a religious clique, and that's a sin. Hold on, everybody shout at once. I'm, I'm going to preach through this, and we're going to go. He's got a timer back there for me today, so I know how long I'm preaching. I'm watching. I'm not going to go over time. I promise you, uh, when, when, when it gets to 55, let me know, Brian. Listen. What I'm telling you is we get them down there, we're praying. Somebody said, well, I don't know who they are. And because I don't know them, I can't pray for them. What I suggest to you that you not knowing them is probably you'll be the best person to pray for them. And the reason I say that is because when you go to pray for them, you don't have any preconceived ideas about them. You don't know who they are. You don't know where they're from. You don't know if they're a saint, if they're a sinner. You don't know if they got a drinking problem. You don't know if they got a drug problem. You don't know if they got an infidel. You don't know anything about that. So you might be the perfect candidate to go down and lay hands on them unbiasedly and say, Father, whatever the need is today, I'm here to help my brother and my sister intercede in prayer. Where are the saints of God that know how to pray? Listen to me folks when I need somebody to pray I need somebody that will wrap up in sackcloth and ashes and pray 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 that's what I need look, look with me really quick at 2 Timothy 4 this is pretty good stuff Paul tells Timothy this he says he says at my first defense he says no one stood with me but all forsook me now, now, now may it not be Basically held against them, right? Verse 17. This word gets good. He says, but the Lord. Woo! Hallelujah! No man stood with me. Everybody left me. Now, God, please don't hold it against them. I needed somebody to intercede. I needed somebody to pray. I needed somebody to touch heaven. And they all left me. But God, please, you know, forgive them for that. But the Lord stood with me. 
He strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear also. He said, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. I love that verse. He's saying, I almost, I was almost in the mouth of that old devil. He had me and he was about to swallow me up. But guess what? The Spirit of God came to where I was. My comforter came. My helper came. My assistant came. And in my weakness, he made me strong. Woo! Yes, sir. So the truth is this. Too much of the time, we, we just, we don't know what to say. You know, have you ever been there where you just didn't know what to say? I was thinking uh, just the other day that um, one of the first funerals I ever preached, and I'm a lot more comfortable with them now, of course, with years of experience. But the first time I go to preach these things, and I, and, and I have to go from... From, you know, evangelistic, let's, let's get this thing done style to a more conservative, you know, want to let the family know we love them. I mean, it's a whole different ballpark. And so when, when you do your first one, it's a little intimidating. It's a little scary because you're like, what do I say? I don't know what to say. So finally, I've learned with the years that you just let them know I don't know what to say because I really don't. There's nothing I can say that will change anything. We're here this is the hand that's been dealt to us, but I do want to show you in the Word that God's going to strengthen you and help you through it. That's all you can do. That's all. So, so if anybody out there been thinking about becoming a pastor, and let me just give you that word of advice before you start. That's the best way to deal with it. Now watch this. When you first get up, though, you're nervous. And you don't know what to say. You really don't. You sit there up all night. You shaking. You scared. Sitting there saying, "Oh God, what am I going to tell him? What am I? What, what am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to do?" And you start stressing out about these things. It, it's it's kind of like the, a person that has never been a public speaker, and you go to high school or you go to college, and they tell you you've got to do your first presentation in the class. Anybody remember that? Whew. And you're like, "You got to be kidding me, me." Up there and y'all down there ain't happening, Captain. There is something that is called stage fright. And what stage fright does for you is simply this. When you get to the position and the place that you are about to speak to this congregation or these people or this group or this audience, whatever you want to call them, and you're getting ready to talk to them, there's a thing known as stage fright to where you just kind of stand there. And you just look at them. You don't know what to say. You don't know. I've seen people fumble and mumble and flip their papers. And it's really embarrassing for them. But it's called stage fright. Have you ever been to that place in prayer? To where you knew it was in your heart. You had something to say. But when you got in the presence in the throne room of God. All of a sudden in His presence you didn't know what to say. Anybody ever been there? You didn't know what to do. You didn't know how to react. When you get in that place, you are about to have a genuine move of the Spirit that's going to change your life forever. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, when you get to the place that you get ready to bow before Him in His presence and all you can do is sit there and shiver and cry and you want to say something but every time you open your mouth the words won't come. You are about to have an experience with God like you've never had before. Trust me when I tell you this. The Spirit Himself Makes intercession for who? For us. 
with these groanings that cannot be uttered. The Holy Spirit prays with groanings that cannot be uttered. Do you know what the word uttered means? It means it cannot be expressed in words. You freeze. You don't know what to say. There are very few men and very few women that have ever tapped into what the Holy Spirit is really wanting to do. But when they did, they became radical. They became forever changed. It was people like the Apostle Paul that after he had the encounter with the Spirit, he literally flipped the world upside down. People that get in this place, they make such an impact on the world that the world doesn't know exactly what hit them. All they recognize is that this man or woman must have been with Jesus. So what we have failed at in the Pentecostal movement and I'll just preach it straight in this generation in previous generations we are good at shouting and we've done a lot of shouting but very few of us do a lot of welling and that's a problem. Stick with me here. We can have both. We can have both. The problem is most of the time we only have one. And that's the shouting. That's the rejoicing. That's the celebration. Because everybody wants to be a part of a celebration. I mean, if somebody tells me today, Pastor, you need to come over to our house at 5 o'clock tonight. We are going to have a celebration. What are we celebrating well, it don't matter what we celebrate. We're going to have wings and we're going to have like 12 different flavors. I don't care if it's a birthday. I don't care if it's an anniversary. Give me the wings. I'll celebrate with you, honey. All right. The point is, everybody likes a good celebration. And we love to come to God's church. And we have been trained like a bunch of robots, even from the top down. The way that we're supposed to do things. Listen, as a preacher... I'm a professional. If I want to get you emotional, I can do it. If I want to make you have an emotional stigma, I know exactly how to do it. I know how to preach. I know how to kick my leg. I know how to make people get excited. We as preachers have failed our congregations. We as pastors have failed our congregations. Because we have put so much emphasis in the Pentecostal church on the shouting and the celebrating that somebody has forgot about the travail that the church should be doing. I'm not knocking shouting because I love shouting. And I'm not knocking all these. I love that and I love celebrating. And I, I love it, man, I'm telling you I do. But I have a problem when we have trained ourselves that we can do one and not the other. What I want is not only a church that a shout. I want a church that will wail. I want a church that knows how to connect with the Spirit more than just a 15-minute move of God in our church service. I need somebody that can pray for me if I call them Tuesday morning because they're so in touch with the Spirit. They know how to travail. That's what I need. I need somebody that knows how to touch heaven for me when I need them to. See, when I look at our society in the year 2021, and I see the liberals that are taking control of houses and Congress, Senates, presidencies, and I see far-left agendas that are going further and further, not only from, away from the American way, but from our Christian faith. Under God. That's what bothers me. 
they can have their politics, they can fuss over the gas prices and pipelines and all this kind, they can do all that all they want. And I have my opinion on those two. But when they start doing things that affect God's church and the Christian and the freedoms that we should be able to express, that's when I have a problem with the government. And I want somebody to understand, in the society that we live in, we can come together and we can have a feel-good service. I hope you hear my heart today. We can have a feel-good service. And I can make y'all leave this place and you can feel like you're on cloud nine. And you can feel like you could charge hell with the water gun. But if you leave this building and you haven't travailed. And you leave this building and you haven't left with a burden for the loss. Then brother, I have failed you. I'm just keeping the aquarium and keeping the fish in the tank clean until Jesus comes. But that is not what God has called the church to do. God has called the church through the Spirit to transform the world. To change it. And so here we go. Oh God. When I look at the condition of this world. It makes me want to take up welling. It makes me want to somebody. In God's church that is full of the spirit and the Holy Ghost. Needs to cry. Needs to wail before God. Not only for the condition of our churches. Not only for the condition of our world. But for the condition of this generation. It is degrading and it's going to hell in a handbasket. And what in the world are we doing about it? Lord, help Pastor Jimmy today. Help Pastor Jimmy. They tell us that kids, they, it don't matter if you're Pentecostal, Baptist, at the age of graduation, they are telling us by statistics that the majority of our kids, once they graduate from high school, they're going to go to a liberal college. The liberal college is going to infiltrate their way of thinking. Even good kids that always knew the Bible. They're not careful. Society shifts them. Culture changes them. And good old Bible-believing saints of God, we thought when they were teenagers, now all of a sudden they're out. They are telling us by statistics that when they reach the age of 18, 19, and they go to college, do you know what the majority of those kids are doing? Anybody want to guess? Anybody smart enough to guess? What they are doing is they are leaving the church. That is a major problem. And we have shouted and we have celebrated right through it. Because we thought if we could keep feeling a good emotion, if we could keep just having church and praising God and coming together and leaving feeling better, then everything's hunky-dory. Our church is doing good. But I beg the difference with you. What I'm trying to tell you is if this is what's happening in the church, then we need to quit focusing so much on that move. And we need to start focusing on the welling part. We need to start focusing on the travailing part. Because if we don't save our children, there's nobody in this world that's going to do it. It's going to take the Holy Ghost coming to where we are and helping us. God have mercy. But our church is doing good. We're Pentecostal, bless God. We're Pentecostal. We're better than Baptist folks. We speak in tongues. Your tongues ain't doing you no good if you don't know how to pray. 
Your tongues ain't doing you no good if that's all you ever do. If you don't know how to travail in your spirit, then you have missed the point. If we as a church have failed to travail in our spirit, we have missed the point. If us as pastors have missed that to where we just want to keep our congregations happy and satisfied and a feel-good service and a feel-good sermon, I've missed the point. We've got to get back to the day that we travail in our spirit. Somebody's got to do it. Somebody's, I know this is a proper preacher. I'm going to vote me out after this. I know it. But in Genesis 1-2, the Spirit of God moved. When New King James Version translation says the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. The word hovering is that which a hen does for her babies. It doesn't matter where the baby goes. They hover over it. They always keep it safe. In the cold of the night, you know, nowadays I have chickens. And, and nowadays we think we have to have, you know, heating things for chickens and all that. You know what I'm saying? My father-in-law trips me out because he tells me, man, they had these chickens hundreds of years ago. They survived. I'm like, well, you know, you do have a point there. Because nature takes care of itself. God's put it in their instincts. And so that mother hen knows you just hover over them. When danger comes, you don't let that danger attack your babies. You hover over them. The snake may bite me, and I may die from the venom, but my babies are still going to be sheltered. I would to God that the church would get that kind of spirit of travail in them, that we would protect this generation, that we would protect our grandbabies, because I'm telling you, this world is after them. The devil is after them. We better pray, my God, that the spirit would just hover over them. I'm telling you, somebody said that they, somebody said the other week, that I wouldn't even go to Walmart if I didn't have the a spirit of God in me. And I agree with them. I wouldn't want to go anywhere without. I need the Holy Spirit just hovering over me. We've got to have something that happens. And, and God's Spirit moves and it just hovers over us. Let's go to Romans 8, 27. So when God steps into your mess, God, the Spirit, hovers over it until He changes it. He'll stay with you. Hovering. Groaning. Moaning. Welling. Interceding. Now, he who searches the heart, he knows. I love this. He knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Because he makes intercession for the saints. According to the what? According to the will of God. He makes intercession according to the will of God. A lot of the time, God's will is not our will. A lot of the time, for you that want to take a note or tweet, that's it. A lot of the time, God's will... Is not our will. There are times that God allows sickness to come in our life. It was the will of God for it to happen. He allowed it. There are other times that God brings healing and good health. It's His will. There's times that God gives us a promotion on the job. There's other times that it was meant for you to lose that job. Because God had something better for you. There's times where there's seasons of trials. And it's God's will for you to go through. There's other times, there's there's seasons of blessings and everywhere you turn, good things are happening. It was God's will for you to be there. He says the Spirit knows. He knows. And He makes intercession that God would perform His will in our life. And then He gives us this tidbit, verse 28, as I close. He says, and we know. Somebody say, I know. I know. you got to believe that. I know that all things work 
together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. I know that God is working it out. I know that my intercessor, the one that moans and groans and hovers over me, I know that He is looking out for my best interest. So we must seek Him because He is the only one that knows what's really wrong. Go ahead, Susan, and play if you don't mind. He has searched. He has analyzed your heart. He has analyzed your life from the very beginning to the end. Oh, God Almighty. And He is the one that has designed destiny on every one of us in this building today. He is the one that has a plan for your life. He, the Spirit knows what the will of God is for you. And that's why He can intercede somewhere. Because He knows even when I don't know how to pray, He knows the heart of God. He knows the will of God. He knows the mind of God. Are you getting this today? He knows. So while you're groping for words to pray, He already knows what to say. All you need to do is grow. Just grow. It may look nasty. Somebody say, I'm an ugly crier. Good. Go to it. If you don't like crying in front of people, get in your closet, get in your car. But get somewhere and groan. Because when you reach a place in your life that you don't know what God's will is, you don't know what you're supposed to do or what's going to happen next. When the spirit begins to travail, all of a sudden, the assistant comes alongside and says, I know the will of God. I know exactly what God has for you. His plans for good. You just hang in there. And He comforts us in our weaknesses. He makes us strong. I'll leave you with this. 1 Corinthians 14, 2. For he who speaks in a tongue, all right, does not speak to men, but to God. Are y'all ready for this? For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. May we tap into the heavenlies. So here we've got this person. They begin to pray. They begin to speak in an unknown tongue through the spirit. He says, if I start speaking in tongues right now, Right now, at this very moment, unless the Spirit reveals it to this young lady right here, she has no idea what's going on. None. You don't know. You don't speak that language. Not, not you know, to where you can just understand it like English. You may speak it, but not in that way that you understand it, a heavenly language, unless God gives a revelation and says this is what the interpretation is, why it gives tongues and interpretation of tongues in the Spirit. So here I am. I'm speaking in tongues. Everybody said, I have no idea what he's saying. But God said, however, in the spirit of this. He is speaking mysteries that man don't know what's going on. What I'm telling you is when we travail, you can go to my title, I'm quitting. When, when we travail in our spirit, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we're moaning, we're groaning. 
But then when Paraclete comes beside us and the Comforter comes beside us and if He wants to just touch us and all of a sudden we're speaking mysteries and we're saying things that nobody else understands. God said it is in that moment that you are just speaking directly to God. He knows exactly what you're travailing about. He knows exactly what you're saying. Let's stand. I'm closing today. My God have mercy. Help us God. Somebody said that was painful. Well, how many of you enjoyed your childbirth experience? Anybody? Anybody have fun? You want to do it again? Anybody want to sign up and be one of those mothers that just go have a baby for somebody else because you love it so much? The point is there's times that God's word is like that and it pierces us and it cuts us and it convicts us but my God when I look around at what's going on in the world my Lord when I look at the condition of my church forget about the other churches this church something in my spirit rises up say Jimmy Purdue you can shout over what needs to be said. You can shout over what needs to be done. You can try to just celebrate your way right through it and say, oh man, we had a good number today. Even after COVID, look, we had the biggest crowd we had today. Oh yeah, let's give God praise. We can use all of these little perks and and things and say, oh, look at God moving. Everybody feel good about yourself. Or either we can get into the birthing room and we can travail in our spirit. And we can leave a church instead of just being happy and saying it was a good service. We leave that place with a heavy heart. And we go to our house and we travail in the spirit for somebody that doesn't know Jesus. That's what we need to do. We go home and we travail in our spirit for our church. This church. This church. That God would do something in our midst like we've never known. Are you ready to travail? Father, oh, hallelujah. Thank you for your word. Your word is like a sharp two-edged sword. It cuts coming and it cuts going. But Father, when your word gets finished with us, and when the Spirit of God hovers over us, all of a sudden you change things in us. You change our way of thinking. You change our way of seeing things. Even though we've set a precipice and we've made this little pattern of the way we should do things as Pentecostals. We've been trained to be like robots. We've been trained that if we don't have a certain sensation, the Spirit hasn't moved. But God, I'm wanting you to take us to a deeper place than that. Take us to a place that your Spirit moves and all that your people can do is cry. All they can do is beg that you would come down in our midst and change us. Change our families. Change our situation. Change our church. My Lord, change our community. Change our world.
give it to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go ahead and move away. All right, guys, just stay there for just a few moments. Those kids have been waiting on me for